Rodotoskirt Press presents Tales of the Chai Makani Trio by Kate McLeod Performed by Oliver Vincent Episode 8 The Perilous Escape Elliot had spent the last several years sleeping under the open sky, staring up at the Commonwealth ships that never stopped hovering over his city. They had just hung there, massive, brighter than the stars. It was like he still sensed them there, so close, even as he slept. Now he was inside the Commonwealth flagship, a battlecruiser that dwarfed all those ships put together. More than that, he stood on the command bridge of that flagship. He had never been inside a larger space in his life. Not the hidden space port hangar where the Rebellion hid their shuttles from the Commonwealth patrols. Not the cavern deep underneath his city where the nameless monster lurked with its thousands of tunneling offspring. Not even the stadium at the heart of his city, built to contain multitudes. He couldn't even see to the far side of the space under the curving dome of the screen that displayed the star field around them. And yet, every person under that dome was working towards just one goal. Controlling that flagship, and through it, dominating his world. His arms ached from having his hands shackled behind him, and his mouth tasted like metal, blood from when he had bitten his lip one of the many times he had stumbled. He was also terribly thirsty. The air in the ship was even drier than it had been at the edge of the desert. Was it only a few hours since he had stood there? And only been a few more since he had been in the jungle itself? where the air had been far less dry, but far more thick with smells? The guards around him and his friends steered them up to the highest of a series of tiered decks. Crew members glanced up from their workstations as they marched by. A few of them whispered together as they had passed, but stopped quickly under the hard gaze of their commanding officers. Elliot stumbled yet again on the last flight of stairs. The guards at his elbows yanked him aggressively back to his feet but he could already taste fresh blood in his mouth. He had bitten his lip again, but he didn't have time to worry about it before he was pushed down to his knees again. They were all lined up, but the only face Elliot could see was Wade beside him. Wade wasn't grinning, and even though he tried to give Elliot an encouraging nod, Elliot could see the panic in the co-pilot's eyes. Commander Jaro, reporting, Admiral he heard the woman who was once his mother say. He didn't know who she was now. She hadn't given him more than the slightest of glances, but there was no way she couldn't have recognized him. He was her only son. She must know. But it didn't seem to matter to her at all. Prisoners, Commander Jaro? The Admiral said, sounding amused. Elliot couldn't quite get a good look at him. As much as they were on the tallest deck of the bridge, the Admiral was standing on a higher platform. Only the very top of his balding head was visible from where Elliot was on his knees. Yes, sir, Jaro said. You asked to see any spies we apprehended. This crew flew in on phony security credentials. Their shuttle looked like it was stolen, then stripped, but my people are still searching for its ID number to verify that. The rebels buff those off, the Admiral said. Yes, sir, just being thorough, Jaro said. Sir, these don't look like fighters to me, though. I would say smugglers, and not very good ones, at that. 
The shuttle was in very bad shape. I doubt it's combat worthy, and most of these prisoners are little more than kids. The bald head moved a little, but if he could even actually see any of them, the admiral didn't give them more than a glance. Shall I have them return to the surface for incarceration by the local government? She asked, and even took half a step back, as if she was that sure the admiral would say yes. No, not just yet, the admiral said. Not that I doubt you, but there is a reason I'm holding all prisoners for personal inspection. They're here now, Jaro said, gesturing to them all on their knees behind her. Yes, but my agent is not, the Admiral said. It's all very annoying, Commander. More for me than for you, I promise you. Uh, but please, take them all to the brig and process them. Once my agent arrives and I've debriefed them, I will let you know what has been decided in regards to their fate. Yes, sir, Jaro said. Her voice sounded tight, like she was clenching her jaw. But she just snapped a salute, then signaled for Terence to have his crew pull them all back to their feet again. And once more, they were walking, awkwardly with their hands bound behind them, back off the bridge and through the endless maze of the flagship corridors. But it wasn't hard to tell when they reached the brig. They had to pass a double set of doors like an airlock. The door behind them closing before the door ahead of them buzzed open. There were more Commonwealth enforcers here, many of them standing guard in various doorways, and all of them were armed. Every corridor they passed seemed to go on forever, lined on both sides with prison cells, sealed off with force fields. There'd be no reason to leave a force field up on an empty cell, would there? And yet, Elliot didn't see a single cell that wasn't sealed behind a soft glowing field of energy. They reached a sort of command hub, where four corridors met with a control station in the middle. Elliot watched as his mother spoke in a voice too low for him to hear to one of the guards inside of that control station. The man nodded, then saluted sharply. Elliot's mother spun on her heel, then marched back the way she had come. She passed so close to Elliot that if his hands hadn't been bound, he could have reached out to catch her sleeve. But she never so much as looked at him. Elliot watched as one by one his friends were searched. They took Electra's Tanjo and Kiani's knives, as well as the needle gun Elliot had completely forgot was lurking in his pocket. But they found nothing on either Lyra or Wade. Then they were led down the same corridor and put into individual cells. Elliot was afraid the force field would block out any light or sound from the corridor, leaving him clueless as to what was going on. But after removing his cuffs and shoving him towards the bed that was built into the far wall, he could hear the two guards walking away, back down the corridor. And when he turned, he could see Alextra looking just as confused as he felt standing in the cell opposite his. The field gave everything an electric blue tinge, but he could see clearly all the same. He looked around his cell. He wasn't sure what he had expected prison to look like, Perhaps more like Keone's prison camp, all built by hand from scraps or bits of the jungle. But of course, that wouldn't be the case up in space on a ship. But it felt like a lot of space for one person. He could walk ten paces along the length of it, turn, and pace ten steps back. From the bed to the force field was only five. But that still felt ample. And there was a bed. He hadn't had a bed in years. The mattress looked thin, and the blanket 
was really a plastic-feeling layer that was part of the mattress, unremovable. He would have to wiggle into it from the top, then wiggle back out of it again when he woke up. He couldn't pull it free and to use it to escape somehow. But it would probably keep him warm at night, if he was still here at night. Although, he might need to duck his head under the edge of it to sleep at all, as bright as it was in the room. The walls, floor, and ceiling were all featureless white plastic, with no joints or gaps. He ran his fingers over it. It felt just as smooth and cool as it looked, but it reflected the light like crazy. Everything not only looked sterile, it smelled sterile too. No hint of any kind of cleaner he knew of, but no hint of any people smells either. He couldn't remember the last time he couldn't smell people smells. Well, he smelled them coming off his own body. He had done a lot of nervous sweating since that shower back on Odgal, which felt like it had been a million years ago. He walked back to the force field looking as far up and down the corridor as he could. There were no signs of any guards, but he couldn't see all the way to that control station, and he was pretty sure the guards there could see all the way down all the corridors and there were probably also cameras everywhere, even in the cells. Escape didn't feel remotely possible. Why would they put us all together like this? Alextra asked. Because they're not remotely worried about what we'll do? Kiani said. She sounded absolutely miserable. Elliot moved to the far left of his cell door, and could just see Kiani standing next to her own force field in the cell next to Alextra's. She was opening and closing her hands, looking down at them as if the absence of her knives wounded her very soul. What happens now? Elliot wondered aloud. It had been a rhetorical question, but Lara, who sounded like she was in the cell to Elliot's left, answered all the same. That depends on how much they know about the three of you. If Jarrow convinces them you are all harmless, you can expect to be sent back down to work on a camp on the surface to serve out your time. Oh, goody, Kiani grumbled. That's not good news, Alextra said, as if she hadn't caught Kiani's tone at all. If they bring us down there, they'll notice what's going on in those camps. Jax and the others will be in even more danger than they are now, and it could make things a lot worse for Jake and the other prisoners. What's the alternative? Elliot asked. That they decide you, like Wade and I, are rebels. Lara said. They already know who we are. Our fates are already sealed. But we'll do all we can to convince the enforcers that you aren't involved. Wade said grimly. If they even bother to question us. Lara said. We'll do all we can, but it might not be much. I don't want to give you all any false hopes. It's the airlock for rebels then? Alextra asked flatly. We knew that when we came. Lara said. It's always a risk, but one we're prepared to take. But it's not one they should have to face. Wade grumbled. They're just kids. I don't think that's how it's going to go down. Lara said. Valeria is going to get us out of here. Are you deluded? Wade asked. She's already working to get us out of here. Didn't you hear? She tried to get us back down to the surface in the first place. That's why she brought us to the Admiral first, and not straight to the brig, Lara said. No way, Wade said. She was following orders. That's what she does now. Things got too hot for her as an undercover agent, so she's going native. 
She's not one of us anymore, Lara. You have to face that fact. I know Valeria. She would never betray the cause, Lara said firmly. Never. Elliot wished he was so sure, but at this point he wasn't even sure she was still his mother. It was like some sort of alien running around wearing her face. She didn't know him at all. Alexstrel won't be going down to the prison camp anyway, Kiani said. They'll figure out who you are for sure, won't they? I don't see how they don't know already, Alexstra said. They took my Tanjo. Does it have your name on it, or is it encoded to your DNA or something? Wade asked. Wait, didn't Colden Ward say it was forbidden for anyone to even touch it? Kiani asked. The Tanjo is the ceremonial weapon of the Imperial Guard, Alexstra told them. Now she was the one looking down at her hands, missing her weapon. Only the elite of the guards were allowed to train with it, to carry it. And only the Empress's personal retinue can ever carry it outside the palace. They only do so when protecting her wherever she goes. So you stole it? Elliot guessed. I trained for years in its use under the guidance of my personal bodyguard, Alexstra said. When I decided to leave, she was the only soul I told, and she gifted me her own weapon to protect me on my journey. But such a gift was forbidden. So I guess you could say, yes, I stole it. These enforcers don't seem to know what it means, Kiani said. No, Alexstra agreed. But Colton Ward did it once, Elliot said. Yes, Alexstra said. Isn't that strange? I wonder why. I wonder who Colton Ward really is. All the enforcers at the tavern knew him well, Elliot said. I had never seen him before, I don't think. But if he was new to Odgall, I don't think they would have treated him the same way. Yes, they were all very friendly, Alexstra said. He seems very disciplined, uh, focused, like someone who spends their day off preparing to work again, Kiani said. Maybe he's been here for years, but he never left the enforcer compound in the city until that night, Elliot said. Most of the patrols are in full armor with face shields. I could have encountered him at hundreds of checkpoints and not recognized him later. I suppose he came out that night because he was already looking for Alexstra? Kiani said. I'm afraid I have to agree, Alexstra said with a sigh. All our troubles, you two can go ahead and lay them at my feet. You came out here because you wanted to fix things, right? Elliot said. You came out here to help us? I certainly learned shortly after arriving here that the process of colonizing an unwilling populace is needlessly brutal, and the conditions in the prison camps were... inhumane, Alexstra said. As much as I can help, I swear I will. They all fell silent at the sound of Boots returning. It was Terence, returning with six guards. Prisoners, turn, face the wall, and put your hands behind you, Terence ordered. Elliot turned away from the force field and put his hands behind him. He heard two of the guards walking up behind him, then felt cuffs closing over his wrists once more. Where are we going? He asked, but no one answered his question. Again, he was pulled around by his elbows, pushed at an aggressive pace out of his cell, and back down the long corridor towards the control station. Elextra and Kiani were ahead of him, but no one was behind him. Lara and Wade were being left behind in their cells, but why? They didn't stop at the control station, just continued on past the double set of doors, back out into the flagship's main corridors, 
Their guards were the only Commonwealth enforcers in sight outside of the brig. No one else was armed or wearing body armor. Only simple military uniforms, designed for support crew, not combat. These Commonwealth officers bustled anxiously up and down the corridors. Everyone seemed in a nervous hurry, but they all carefully pressed closer to the walls to make way for the enforcers marching their trio of prisoners down the center of the hall. None of them made eye contact with Elliot. Not that he thought any of them would help him, but he still felt a tickle of hope. Lara and Wade had said there were other rebels embedded in the crew on the flagship. Somewhere, someone might see them who would want to help save them. But he doubted the odds of crossing paths with them by chance were anything other than infinitesimally small. The guards brought them to another closed set of doors, and Terence knocked loudly. The doors parted, and the guards hustled them all inside. Very good, Lieutenant. You may leave them in our care. Wait outside. Elliot heard the Admiral say. Yes, sir, Terence said, although he sounded a little startled by the order. The guards filed back out the doors, and Elliot found himself standing between Alextra and Kiani at the foot of a very long table. All of them still had their hands cuffed behind them, but no one was standing anywhere near them. They were all clustered at the far end of that immense table. The man seated at the head had to be the admiral. Elliot recognized the dark skin of his bald head. The face beneath was all harsh angles, frowning fiercely. Standing just behind his left shoulder was Elliot's mother, looking as stern as ever, but not at him. And sitting at the table to the Admiral's right hand was Colton Ward. That's her. Colton Ward said at once. I'm sure of it. I can certainly see why you think so, the Admiral conceded, but grudgingly. She looks the part, and the Enforcers took a tanjo off her, but why would she come here of all places? Why would she leave the palace at all? Colden Ward said with a shrug. It's all a mystery. You could just ask her, Elliot's mother said. We could do that, and then spend days sifting through the lies, Colden Ward said. The Admiral gave him a look that Elliot couldn't interpret, but said nothing. What do you suggest, then? Jarrow asked. We can't verify her DNA. We know it won't bring up a match. And even if we suspect she is who you say she is, even trying to look at her DNA would be a death sentence for all of us. My orders are to bring her home, Colton Ward said. I will see that done. Then he seemed to remember that he was not the highest ranking person in the room. In fact, he was the lowest. But he only looked at the Admiral when he said, With your permission, of course, sir. Far be it from me to stand in your way, the Admiral said. Yes, go ahead and let him take me away, Alextra said with a little toss of her head. I'll only escape again like I have before. This man is not remotely good enough to keep me prisoner. Colton Ward flushed a deep shade of scarlet, and the Admiral covered his mouth with his hand as if to hide a smile. But Elliot was in agony. He could tell that Alextra was doing something behind her back, but he couldn't tell what. He desperately wanted to turn his head and see, but the last thing he wanted to do was draw attention to her, and yet all eyes were on her anyway. What could she possibly be doing? And why not wait until someone else was the center of attention? From reviewing all the situation reports, I think she might have a point, sir, Jaro said. Perhaps the captain should have some backup in his mission to bring her home? I have a few officers I can recommend. 
My own officers will suit just fine, thank you, Colton Ward said dryly. I'm glad to hear that. I'm shorthanded enough on this ship, as it is, the Admiral grumbled. So, what about the other two? They mean nothing to me, Colton Ward said dismissively. We have a file on the girl, sir, Jarrah said, leaning down to place something on the table in front of the Admiral. Elliot was too far away to see what it was, but the Admiral studied it for some time before he spoke. Escaped prisoner, then, he said, glancing back over his shoulder at Jarrow. That makes sense, Colton Ward said, almost to himself, but then he looked up at the Admiral. That situation is out of hand from what I've seen. You need to send enforcers to lock those camps down, sir. Because I have so many to spare, the Admiral said to him with a raised eyebrow. I can send for more squads from the capital, sir, Colton Ward offered. You have that kind of pull? Jarrow asked, skeptically. I have that kind of pull, he told her. That would be excellent, Captain Ward. Thank you, the Admiral said to him. Then he turned to Jarrow again. Once the rest of the prison camps are secured, she can go back down and serve out the rest of her sentence. Plus, whatever more gets tacked on for an escape like this. I assume it's all covered in the punishment algorithm. I'll have my crew look into it. Jero said. I'm sure there are categories assigned for all of it. We'll have it downloaded to her personal counter as soon as we've run the numbers, sir. Excellent, the Admiral said. Now, what about the third one? The boy? Elliot's heart started pounding. Whatever Lextra had been doing, she wasn't doing it anymore, and nothing had changed. Had she just been fidgeting? But fidgeting meant nervousness, and Elektra was never nervous. He's a different case entirely, Jero said. We have no record of him. What? At all? The Admiral asked, twisting in his chair to look up at her. None at all. We have no idea who he is or where he's from, she said. Elliot sucked uncertainly at his already bitten lip. He had no idea what was going on here. None of it made sense. It seemed like the safest thing was to remain silent. He knew they knew who he was. They had to. They had taken his ident card when they'd taken the needle gun. Then the Admiral said, Didn't we confiscate an ident card? Yes, sir, but it was fake, Jarrow said. And not a very good one. Unless you think this boy looks like an Isabella scout. Colton Ward sucked in a breath, as if the name offended him deeply. No, clearly not, the Admiral said with a scowl. But Elliot was more confused than ever. He knew his ident card wasn't fake. He had been using it almost daily for years. We can send him down to the local governor's police force, Jarrow said. They might be able to identify him for us, local knowledge and all. He's definitely local, Colton Ward put in to Elliot's surprise. He doubted that Colton Ward was trying to help him out, and yet that's kind of how it sounded. Of course he's local, the admiral said. All our problems are local. He sat back in his chair for a long moment, quietly stewing. Then he sat up again, reaching for a tablet and scrawling something on the screen. He turned up here in the company of two rebel pilots. We know exactly who they are and what they've been up to. Guilt by association, eh? Sir? Jero asked, reaching for the tablet, but he was still scrawling on it. He can be executed with the two of them. I don't see any reason to wait for a formal identification. Sir? Jero said again. 
then sounded a little off, like she kept losing track of the conversation or something. Her hand still hovered there, waiting for the tablet. But when he finally finished writing and shoved it towards her, she fumbled to grasp it, as if her hands had gone numb. Shall I call the guards back, sir? Colton Ward asked as he got up from the table. Hmm? The Admiral said, distracted from his puzzled staring at Jaro and her strange reaction. To bring the boy and the prison camp girl back to the brig, Colton Ward said. Alextra, I can escort directly to my private shuttle myself. Oh, yes, of course, um, please, the Admiral said, gesturing towards the door. Elliot twisted at his cuffs uselessly. He wanted his hands free, even though he had no idea what he could do even then. Even if no one in the room was armed, and he really doubted that Colton Ward was unarmed, even now, and they were three on three. They were nothing like equally matched. And even if they somehow got the upper hand, they were still in the heart of the enemy's flagship, with an entire squad of armed enforcers waiting for them just outside the door. And yet, doing nothing was just intolerable. Elliot struggled harder. Kiani nudged against him, catching his eye, then shaking her head at him. But she couldn't even whisper to him, because Colton Ward was already close enough to hear. Then he was close enough to reach out for Alextra. He must have been intending to catch her arm to start to guide her out of the room before sending the enforcers in for Elliot and Kiani. But he never quite touched her. Faster than Elliot's eyes could see, Alextra spun, her head swooped low as her foot swept high, catching Colton Ward hard in the jaw. He fell forward on his knees, his eyes startled and wide. Then Alextra stepped back as he fell face down onto the floor. She looked up at the Admiral and Commander Jaro at the far end of the table. Then a slow grin spread across her face as she settled back into a fighting stance. Only then did she raise her hands. Her unbound hands. The Admiral jumped to his feet. He must have intended to shout for his guards, but his voice strangled out on the first consonant. Then he too was falling to the ground. And Commander Jaro was left standing, also in a battle stance, one hand cocked back after delivering the chop to the back of his neck that had knocked him out. Mom? Elliot gasped, feeling a little bit strangled himself. Elliot, she said with a curt nod. Elliot was more confused than ever. It was like she thought he was just another fellow rebel fighter. Did she still not recognize him? Elliot, Alexstra said, not helping his confusion at all. Now everyone was just saying his name? He turned towards her, then completely failed to catch the needle gun she tossed up at him. It bounced off his chest and fell to the floor. Alextra, I'm still cuffed, he told her. It didn't seem like he'd have to point that out. I'm not, Kiani said, giving him a wild grin. Then she launched herself up onto the table and jogged across the top of it to the far end, where she stooped and swiped up something from Admiral's unmoving head, then something where Colton Ward had just been sitting. She turned back around, hands high, brandishing a new pair of knives. Elliot had his doubts of how good steak knives would be as throwing weapons, but Kiani was so obviously elated to have them, he didn't dare say a word against them. Here, Alextra said, and Elliot felt the cuffs around his wrists fall away. He rubbed his wrists briefly with his hands still behind his back. He hadn't realized how numb his extremities had gone. Then Alextra was shoving that needle gun into his chest again, and he brought his hands forward, numb as they were, to take it. Ready? She said to him, I... He stammered. We don't have time here, his mother said as she and Kiani made their way down the length of the room, 
Kiani jumped down from the end of the table, still grinning like crazy. I didn't hit the Admiral hard enough for him to be out for more than another minute or two. You're still trying to protect your cover identity? Alexra asked her. I might still need it, his mother said. My work here is not done. Alexra took a second to think this over, then gave a curt nod. He'll likely not have a very good memory of the last few seconds before you knocked him out. He'll believe anything you tell him, and Colton World will be in no position to contradict you. So I'm hoping, but none of that matters if we don't get out of here now, Elliot's mother said. There are seven enforcers outside that door, Kiani said, but she was clutching her knives with an eagerness that just made Elliot's stomach go all queasy. Which is why we're taking this back door, his mother said and waved her arm in front of a bare wall. That opened up into a secret tunnel. That works, Kiani said and plunged into the darkness. Alextra gave Colton Ward one last look, then followed. Elliot was about to go after them when his mother caught hold of his shoulder and pulled him into a bone-crushing hug. It's so good to see you, son, she said. He couldn't say a thing, because she was squeezing all the air out of his lungs. But she didn't even seem to notice. I never thought I'd live to see this day. It's so good to see you. Then her whole tone changed, and she was back in commander mode. Now move. Time is short. Elliot slipped into the dark crawl space, made all the darker when his mother came in behind him, then closed the wall back up. Elliot could feel himself grinning. He only hoped it looked a little less manic than Keani's grin did, but even if it did, he didn't care. He finally had his mother back. This has been Tales of the Chimacani Trio by Kate McLeod, performed by Oliver Vincent. Tales of the Chimacani Trio is a Rotatosker Press production.